Hey, this is Rock Hard Caucus. I'm Justin. I'm here with Evan. Hi. Hey. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had something planned for this morning, and it's it's not working out. So instead, uh, Evan and I are gonna do just uh, just the two of us. We're gonna record uh, our, probably our worst episode ever. Yeah, dude, this is going to be dog shit. <laughs> I know <laughs> you guys, if you listen to our last couple episodes, you probably know the topic. Yeah, that's right. I've I've been threatening Evan with this for a few weeks now. We're going to read the latest piece by one of the first enemies of the show, Joel Curtinitis. Yeah, yeah, he uh, rubbed me the wrong way uh, pretty early on. <laughs> I know we've talked about him on the show, but he was literally the first enemy of the podcast. Like before we'd even started, like the genesis of this podcast was us going to the uh, uh, Chapo show in uh, Des Moines before the, well, it was like the summer or the fall, I think, before the uh, caucuses. Oh, yeah. That was actually like right before we recorded our first Yeah, we'd already made plans to do it, yeah. but we hadn't uh, actually done it. But we, we were all aware of Joel Kurtnitis at that point, and then they just so happened to read a Joel Kurtnitis article, the Joel Kurtnitis article, actually, the one where he is mad because the n-word is the only word that you can't say yes i guess yes it's a very fascinating piece i mean very like <laughs> thoughtful and philosophical if you go back to the recording of the chapo live show in des moines you can hear me uh screaming at somebody to shut the fuck up so it's just a easter egg for the <laughs> the fans yeah, yeah. <laughs> crossover fans oh i remember specifically right before they're like oh we're gonna read uh, an article from one of the des moines registers best and like <laughs> i looked at natalie and we were both like it's it's gonna be joel kernitis <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah we were pumped for that yeah uh but since that time i mean it's been almost a year since then and joel has kind of he's fallen he used to be the Des Moines Register's favorite little chud, and now he's. Uh, <laughs> uh, didn't they fire their opinion editorial or their uh, op- opinion uh, editor? Did they? I think they might have. I'm not sure, but like he definitely hasn't had anything published for quite some time. It's been a while. Yeah, he's he's now fallen to the depths of publishing his own writings on Medium, which is just a fate worse than death for yeah, any and bleeding twitter pundit. followers like dude like joel you can do a better job of grifting like you have an audience you know like he's got a, a facebook group with like three thousand boomers who will <laughs> you know make angry comments whenever he riles them up because that's his whole thing is like beating around the bush about like fucking inciting violence <laughs> and then like yeah just the fucking richter scale between like just complete like oh my god, the Antifa left are coming to like murder my whole family and then like, we will crush them like bug, like the bugs that they are the fucking like snowflake <laughs> Didn't you have Joel Kerr fans like messaging you for a yeah, while? Yeah, there was some <laughs> before I talked to him on Facebook actually, or the, the before I interviewed him for the podcast mm-hmm. uh, the, the impetus for that was me like trolling him on Facebook and then, yeah, there's a bunch of people. There's some woman who said I didn't have a dick. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, some guy who is like, he's like, are you a member of Antifa? He started like interrogating me, asking me if I was a Antifa. And I was like, yeah, dude, why aren't you? <laughs> like, Yeah, he was trying to intimidate me. I didn't really fall for it. Pretty, pretty good time. Yeah. I was never uh, particularly worried about my safety because these guys are pussies. But, you know. Yeah, fortunately, the... 
thin blue line Punisher skull guys never came for you. I'm pretty sure he did have like a Punisher avatar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to read the latest Joel Curtinitis piece, which uh, it's a little old now because I've been, again, threatening to read it for a while. Uh, but he put this out on Medium on June 5th, and the title is why you can't win arguments against intersectionality and shouldn't try. Wow, dude. Sounds like a great idea for your like political uh, project there. Wait, yeah. Is it, you just <laughs> wasn't the are, whole thing when you interviewed him, like how he wants to get into like reasoned debates? Yeah, yeah. He, he asked me, he's like, would you want to do a debate? <laughs> and he also asked me, he's like, uh, have you ever seen uh, Steven Crowder, <laughs> the ask whatever the... <laughs> thing is change my mind or whatever he's like i yeah, think it's yeah. really informative you might you might uh, question some things <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like i know who steven crowder is i'm not gonna watch that joel sorry but when it comes to intersectionality arguments are just not possible so evan what what do you know about intersectionality i mean i guess the common human experience that people have of uh well you know i, I don't know i'm not gonna i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, let me just, you know, basic rundown. I mean, I'm sure we all have a general understanding of what intersectionality means. But to just just give the Wikipedia summary of it, intersectionality is a theoretical framework for understanding how aspects of a person's social and political identities might combine to create unique modes of discrimination and privilege. Uh, intersectionality identifies advantages and disadvantages that are felt by people due to a combination of factors. It's a holistic way of looking at discrimination and yeah, it's it's really basic. I mean, it's just like a lens through which you can see how being black has disadvantages in society versus being gay, uh, etc. Like there are different ways that you are disadvantaged for you know aspects of yourself and how the structures uh, discriminate against you or just like view you or disregard you because you don't fit the uh the standard model human which is of course evan and i <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean I, I don't really see how you can have that much of an opposition to this just understanding unless you are just you know explicitly like a bigoted person yeah i think like the main criticism is just that it's like overly broad i mean obviously joel has his own reasons is because he doesn't fucking any of those things are reasons why people are discriminated against and that it's a result of their own individual actions that like you know he wants to boil it down to distinctly individuals like every fucking conservative right right yeah okay so let's let's get into what he actually has to say here he begins two statements same assertion number one the sky is blue (laughs) what a great way to start an article (laughs) <laughs> number two sunlight reaches earth's atmosphere and is scattered in all directions by all the gases and particles in the air blue light is scattered more than the other colors because it travels as shorter smaller waves this is why we see a blue sky most of the time he believes in science does he <laughs> <laughs> fucking cuck uh, both statements include the same claim The first is a statement with readily observable properties and immediately available provability slash disprovability. It allows for very specific discussion and debate 
and a consensus on this point will allow further research into the factors behind it. <laughs> uh, in case you forgot, the statement he's referring to there is, the sky is blue. Wow, dude, that's really deep. Yeah, he's he's really digging in now. The Wikipedia definition of the sky <laughs> says... <laughs> Merriam-Webster defines blue. (laughs) (laughs) The second can still be discussed, but there's so much context and reference that to argue it, one must systematically accept or reject many assertions and risk looking ignorant at each one. Oh, no. The worst thing (laughs) is being ignorant and then, like, changing your mind, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) The argument in this case is not strengthened by logic, but by volume. So he's asserting here that just because the second one is longer, that's the only reason it is strengthened. Not because the things uh, you're saying are true, but just because you're saying many things. Most of the claims the second statement makes, we accept on faith. Most people have never seen a molecule. Mm, I've seen several molecules, Joel. Yeah, in fact, some molecules are large enough to be seen by the human eye. I'm looking at like millions of <laughs> molecules right now. <laughs> also, yeah, they accept it on faith. Like, it's not like a testable hypothesis. Yeah, I mean, well, let me finish the paragraph and then I'll I'll expand on my thoughts on this. Uh, most have never experimented with atmospheric gases. Most have never delved into light theory and have only a generic understanding of the relationship of wavelength and other properties related to light and color. Okay, uh, I mean, what he's getting at there is, like, most people are accepting those things on faith. Which, to me, this is, like, the the foundation of, like, a conspiracy theory mind is, like, yeah, I mean, you read those things in the science textbooks, but you don't know, man. You're just accepting the things that the the people are telling you. Yeah. I mean, I think this is just more emblematic of just fucking complete wankery. And just like, like, who gives a, like, this is just stupid. Like, get to the point, man. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> he's just writing a lot of words. I mean, so far, I'm not really seeing how this relates to intersection. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> I'm sure he connects the dots. Uh, here we go. Fortunately, we can all agree that the proposition at issue is true. And the sky is blue. Uh, Do you agree, Evan? The sky is blue? Sometimes. It's not always blue. (laughs) It is right now, but... uh, Yeah, it's hot as shit. But let's change it up a bit and submit two more claims. Number one, the sky is red. Number two, the sky is red because the atmosphere is full of quintillions of microscopic organisms that grow and multiply every night. And then during the day, the sunlight slowly kills most of them, and they begin emitting a fluorescent reddish glow. This red color is apparent to most animals, with the exception of human beings, whose eyes have no receptor for the exact wavelength of red emitted, so our brains interpret this unidentifiable color as blue, except at such times as we inhale trace amounts of ozone, which allows us to see the red in the sky once in a while. And this is also strongly supported by my experience. I've personally seen red in the sky, so if you think the sky is blue, you're invalidating my experience and questioning my reality, and that makes you a horrible human being who doesn't deserve to speak in a civilized (laughs) society. 
Oh, poor Joel. Man, <laughs> he's just being attacked constantly by the people who say that the sky is red. I feel bad yeah, for this him. Is... He's definitely not projecting at all in that last part. <laughs> this is, of course, an analog for people who tell him uh, racism exists. Uh, as before, the first statement is a single assertion that can be proved or disproved using any number of objective measurements. Uh, what would those... What would those objective measurements be? Uh, well, one of the things I learned in school is that measurement is ex- like not a. There is no way to objectively measure something because using something else to measure it. How uh, how do you uh, measure color? <laughs> I don't. Well, you know, the visual spectrum of light. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is just tortured, man. <laughs> this shit, this shit is, is tortured. I don't really know how to uh, go at this. I would just challenge what he's saying there. I mean, the sky is red can be proved or disproved using any number of objective measurements. I don't know if it can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the second is rendered nearly impervious to attack, once again, by volume. In order to argue that the sky isn't red, you have to deny the existence of these microbes. The effect of sunlight on some similar microorganisms, clearly observable examples of bioluminescence elsewhere in nature, as well as brazenly calling into question someone's lived experience. (laughs) Oh my god, it's nearly impervious to attack. I mean, he can't actually think that because it's like, I mean, I'm just... You know, at a glance, I think there's some logical fallacies to, to that second statement. And I'm sure Joel is a guy who has definitely studied the the logical fallacies and knows all of them by name. Yeah. I, I don't think this is impervious to attack to a master of logic and reason such as himself. Right, exactly. I, I really wish that these movements were as strong as he pretends that they are. Like, fuck. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's not impervious to attack when you have... Uh, you know, like on his Facebook group, thousands of boomers ready to threaten the lives of anyone who challenges you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And all while you're on the clock, because in taking the contrary position and working to disprove the various claims, you're cementing the final claim that you're a horrible human being. God damn, so defensive. Any opponent starts out in the defensive position and must produce copious amounts of research and expertise to substantiate all claims to the contrary, since the original claim, though utterly ridiculous, is extremely cohesive. It exists within its own stitched and armored mythological (laughs) framework, (laughs) whereby a challenge to any one point is dispersed across the entirety of the ideological fabric and resisted equally by all. I mean, you could use literally the same logic that he's using to, like, question any sort of claim about anything. Like... <laughs> hmm That's what I was getting at with that, like, this is the foundation of the conspiracy theorist mind. Like, if you want to, you can create this, like, logical framework to just, like, question everything, man. <laughs> Like, n- none of this, I don't know. There there aren't arguments that are impervious to attack because you can just make up your own reality. Anyone can. Joel, if you believe that somebody is just making up this entire, like, structure to defend an assertion that they made up, and you think that that is, like, it can't be reasoned with, you can't argue with this, 
it can't be defeated. You can do the same thing. Boo-hoo, I lost the culture war. The culture war is being lost. White people are being persecuted for their <laughs> beliefs about how racism doesn't actually exist. And actually, I've never done anything racist at all, like say that like, fucking systemic racism literally doesn't exist, which Joel has literally <laughs> said. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you, you can and do do the same thing. You state a thesis that people are going to think is bullshit and then you just like build up a bunch of bullshit around it to defend the initial bullshit. That's what everyone does. Like (laughs) that's just posting. (laughs) Uh, But he says, this is the end game of intersectionality. This is the Avengers end game of intersectionality. (laughs) (laughs) And it's why conservative arguments against it fall flat. Yes. This is why conservative arguments fall flat. (laughs) I like his, this is basically just saying give up, which is like, yeah, go ahead. Give up, guys. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, admit you lost. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, at that at this point. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess I'm fine with that. Yeah. You can't argue with these people. So just abandon any attempts. Just go live in the woods, Joel. Be done with interacting with us. Not because they're factually wrong, but because it's just one piece of a postmodern mythology that we have failed to effectively understand and combat in its more nascent and manageable stages. These guys love to talk about (laughs) postmodernism. So it's too late, I guess, is what he's saying. Like, you could have killed intersectionality in the crib, but now it's just a powerful beast. Now the mythology is mature and has become a religion (laughs) that demands unquestioning loyalty and unflinching sacrifice. Like... (laughs) Does he, like this is like based on people's experience like the whole intersectionality is based on people's like lived experiences <laughs> like but he's just saying that it's just like all made up to just prove him wrong i guess yeah I, is that <laughs> this is the end game of intersection people are just lying about their personal experiences you know with with the goal of discrediting joel curtinitis <laughs> This is, I mean, I'm for this is it. The entire reason. I'm for it. <laughs> the entire, you know, philosophical impetus for intersectionality as a lens to reality is is only to get Joel Curtinitis removed as a Des Moines Register columnist. <laughs> <laughs> it was a a project decades in the making that finally succeeded. What late last year, early this year? Yeah. <laughs> And we have no answer for it, because it's a hydra. For each head you cut off, two more take its place. Remember that scene from Disney's Hercules? Will you forget the head-slicing thing? Metaphor there for anti-racist people. Each part makes sense to adherence, not because of externally substantiated fact or logical flow, but because of the self-referencing nature of its claims. <laughs> Oh my god, dude. Logical flow. It is snake eating its own tail. Uh, Joel's getting into hip-hop now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I bet you there's some nice uh, fucking Christian hip-hop that he likes. Oh, dude. The, uh, fuck. There's like a... There was a Christian rapper that, whose like name I knew who was actually like fairly popular. Oh, yeah. There's there's a couple of them out there. Um, I don't. I wouldn't know any of them, but... <laughs> I mean, besides uh, besides Insane Clown Posse, I mean. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Fuck, what's the guy's name? Now, I like have to know. <laughs> oh, shit. Do you know DC Talk? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think I was thinking of Toby Mac. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, DC him. Talk is, they weren't, I guess, yeah, they were, like, fucking rap rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I think I only knew their song, um... Jesus Freak. Jesus Freak, yeah, I think that's yeah, the only dude, one that's I the ever fucking, heard. That's a banger, dude. <laughs> what will people think when they find out I'm a Jesus Freak? Yeah. I'm surprised, how do you know that? Uh, I went to church youth group for a small amount of time in like middle school because okay. a girl who liked me asked me to go <laughs> okay yeah it's a good reason <laughs> not because my yeah my family is not religious at all right, well yeah. my mom is a little bit but like it's not a thing really my family didn't push any sort of religion on me yeah we didn't go to church yeah your middle school years were like prime uh dc talk jesus freak <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> yeah and uh like pod Remember that? Mm, right, they are Christian. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. Maybe that was the, like all like maybe the most successful Christian rap. I mean, they're like uh, new, well, they were metal. like new metal. Yeah, but there's rap yeah components to that. I mean, yeah, they kind of yeah, true. Yeah, they had that one song or what it was, but they had one one hit song. Uh, and I remember definitely watching the music video for it at church <laughs> Um, the youth of the nation. We are. We are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember hearing that and then like finding out from someone else that POD was like a Christian group. Because yeah, I don't, right. I don't think anything in that song is like pushing any sort of religious views. I don't know. Yeah, another yeah, like low key Christian rock band is like Switchfoot. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They weren't terrible. They're better than <laughs> those other <laughs> groups, I would say. <laughs> But yeah, and they were, they had a hit, and then no one really knew that they were a Christian band. Yeah, there's like very few of those who like cross over into mainstream pop culture. Yeah, but you have to not have that, um, like the Christian pop, like production sound. Like it. Yeah. All, right. I've read that it's all like one studio that does all that, so that's why it all sounds the same. Yeah, there's like a sheen to it that does like. It's like immediately like a lot of that music. Like I sometimes I like switch through my radio stations and I end up on the Christian channel and I listen to it for like <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Just to keep tabs on them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that with the um the Catholic station in Iowa City. But yeah, you can instantly tell when you've hit the Christian rock station mm-hmm. before you like hear any lyrics or anything cuz it has that sound to it. Yeah. Oh, remember, uh, you know, Reliant K? Yep. Yeah, they they, they were all right, of, too. Kind of crossed over into mainstream. Uh, yeah, acceptance. I remember Yeah, a lot of my friends back in that time were big fans of Reliant K. <laughs> oh, also, Pedro the Lion. That band actually is fucking good, and that guy is not a Christian anymore, and, like, half of his songs are about, like, the church is, like, leading us astray. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, he's good. Uh, David Bazan, he's, like, a singer-songwriter type guy. Yeah, I don't really think good I music. ever actually listened to them. Or is yeah, it just I would approve guy? of them. Uh, he's like the main soul. He's the only member that has been on every album. He's like the main mm-hmm. force. Okay, but he has different different players around him. Yeah. All right, we've been off on this for a while, but I do want to mention <laughs> one, more, one more Christian band that I like. Uh, this this may be a little embarrassing, but uh, I think Five Iron Frenzy is good. <laughs> Not familiar at all. Uh, they're a ska band, so. Oh, okay. That's why I'm not familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much of a ska fan. Well, there's it. time. There's time. I might. <laughs> I might change my mind <laughs> someday. You'll get into ska. <laughs> yeah, but they're also like they. 
I think some of them are like atheists now, but uh, they were always sort of like uh, challenging the mainstream Christian culture and like yeah, like anti-war and shit. Yeah, generally seem like cool people. Yeah, for sure. All right, I'm gonna ask Joel to listen to this and and get his opinions on uh, <laughs> all, <laughs> all these bands these, we mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Uh, each part makes sense to its adherence, not because of externally substantiated fact or logical flow, but because of the self-referencing nature of its claims. It is designed to be insular, to shed attacks, and to ultimately define all who oppose it as heretics and enemies of the common good. Not something that you are guilty of, Joel, certainly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now let's try two final statements. <laughs> All right, so we're... <laughs> I have a feeling this one's going to be a good one. Yeah, we're leaving the realm of the hypothetical now with the color of the sky claims. Now we're getting into the real shit. Uh, again, this came out on June 5th, so you may predict what's about to come next. Statement number one. George Floyd's death was immoral and criminal, and his killers should face justice. Statement number two. George Floyd's death is immoral and criminal and was the inevitable result of systemic racism in law enforcement, which itself is an expression of rampant racism in broader American society, and that's due to long-standing white privilege shown in everything from economic inequality to life expectancy. Plus, I and a few people I know have personally experienced this, so if you try to tell me that it's not due to systemic racism, you are invalidating my personal experiences, and that means you're probably a racist too. God, finally, he makes some sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only part of this that, well, really, I mean, he's betraying that he doesn't actually understand uh, the position of his ideological opponents, which is nothing new. But uh, I, th I think the part of this that I really take issue with is uh, where he says the rampant racism in broader American society is due to long-standing white privilege shown in everything from economic inequality to life. Yeah, that's, that is pretty. I feel like he's kind of like switching cause and effect there. It's like, right. yeah, the white privilege is because of racism more so than racism is because of white privilege. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it makes more sense the other it's way. It's very circular. Yeah. Yeah. Like the racism is... I mean, if you look at the pyramid, it's like white supremacy, which then like the racism reinforces that viewpoint. And then because of the structural racism, society is littered with white privilege. Right. And like, well, he's like acting like you can't come up with like specific examples why economic inequality and like life expectancy is different. Like I can fucking come up with like <laughs> several <laughs> off the top of my head. Right, yeah. The, redlining. I mean, slavery. That was kind <laughs> of a big one. Yeah, right. Like he's he's presenting the uh, the argument as if the only like reinforcement it has is to just say, "Well, look, I've experienced this." When really, it's like, no. Like you can look at actual data, and yes, the personal uh, your personal experience like can help to deliver the message, right? Right. But, I mean, you we do have numbers and shit that we can cite <laughs> yeah i know i said earlier you know like he's just saying that like invalidating people's personal experience which is like 
now what he's actually saying, <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, well, here's his response to his uh, theoretical second statement there. If you have been engaged in this debate lately and feel frustrated that facts and figures bounce off of the <laughs> social justice crowd, <laughs> don't be discouraged. Uh, these, of course, are facts that he got from the uh, FBI crime statistics. <laughs> Straight from Breitbart.com. <laughs> You're not just challenging a media narrative or a faulty assumption. You're calling into question an entire worldview and leaving the other person without a frame of reference through which to understand the world. And when you challenge someone's innermost worldview, you're not just questioning their understanding of politics or current events, you're challenging their identity, their character, their priorities, and their morality. I feel like this kind of contradicts what he was saying earlier, because what it sounds like here is like, if you present the intersectionalist <laughs> argument with just the merest amount of facts and figures, it just completely unravels their entire existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> which doesn't seem like it's impervious to attack then and this is kind of like something that you have brought up recently the the fascist uh like simultaneously strong and weak thing yeah it's totally it's totally joel like that's his whole thing like he's a fucking he's a brown shirt through and through they can't concede any one piece of intersectional dogma because just as in other religions, to concede the errancy of one piece of canon means leaving all the rest of it vulnerable to attack. Hmm, I wonder if uh, Joel is religious. <laughs> For real. <laughs> so in order to defend against that, they will build more and more context, weave more and more mythology around the premise under attack, leaving you with insufficient time, energy, or information to dismantle it all, leaving their holy scripture intact. <laughs> Oh, he's just mad that he doesn't have facts and figures to disprove the fucking mountain of evidence of fucking systemic <laughs> racism in this country. It's like they just they post too many things. They're just there's too many people saying things that I wish weren't true. Yeah, maybe the real issue is just that you're outnumbered. No, that's definitely it. <laughs> like, I mean, he's really not, probably I don't know, like, it's hard to say. Like, I don't want to say like the culture war is over and we've won. But like with our generation, it's like. I don't know. It's it's a different battlefront than what they're used to, I think. Right, yeah. I mean, there's got to be fewer and fewer people interested in, like, the facts and figures debate featuring Joel Curtinitis. Like, I'm not really interested in having this back and forth anymore, you know? I don't need to argue... I don't need to argue with a guy who's like, oh, but the FBI says black-on-black -black crime is the real problem. When it's like, I mean, we're out... Like, we're actually, like, trying to do shit now. Like, I don't... <laughs> I don't yeah. need to keep talking to, like, some guy with a Confederate flag hanging behind his computer. You're not relevant anymore. Yeah, and it's insane. It's like, he's literally saying systemic racism doesn't exist. Like, even fucking, there's plenty of conservative people who are at least willing to fucking concede that there's a fucking rampant history of racism in this country. This shit is just, like, absolute fucking burying your head in the sand. <laughs> like, they'll excuse it. I mean, they'll say, oh, yeah, it exists, but you know that mm -hmm. sort of thing yeah yeah but it's not as bad as what you're saying or like you know whatever but like he he just will not cede oh I and mean, it's basically like what he said that like if he were to see that you know what he's saying about other people <laughs> if he were to see that one part of his like ideology that like systemic racism literally doesn't happen it's the result of individual choices or whatever then like that would fucking cause his whole shit to unravel yeah 
again, it's just self-projection. Yeah, I was going to say for those last couple paragraphs, uh, my projection alarm is going off here at the studio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially if he's going to invoke religion like this. Right. Like, I don't want to be like epic atheism guy, but like he's saying all this because he's intimately familiar with how religious dogma works. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the only way to win is not to play. Man, I would love to just leave the article there. Like, just let that be the last sentence. <laughs> yeah, dude, why are you writing this again? <laughs> <laughs> As you were saying at the beginning, like, the only option is for you to give up. So just <laughs> yep. be done with it. Oh, poor Joel. My heart just... <laughs> <laughs> Don't accept the negative position. Build and defend a positive one. Well, you said the only <laughs> way to win is not to play. It sounds like you're playing now. Yeah. Endless seminars, videos, books, and conferences have sought to be the final nail in the coffin of postmodernism, critical theory, socialism, secular materialism, etc., and none have succeeded, because people convinced of a worldview can easily muster or manufacture sufficient fact in support of it. Oh my god, he is one of the least self-aware people. <laughs> like, what I mean, the fuck? He's really calling out Prager U here. It's yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Like you have the fucking rigid dogma guy. Like what the fuck mm-hmm. are you talking about? Yeah, the projection alarm is still like, just blaring in the background. The whole thing, like the conservatives are way more like ideologically fucking consistent because they have an easy viewpoint where they can just be like, oh, like I want things to be more like the past. Like mm-hmm. we can like I can look back and say, oh yeah, the past was good. We want more of that. But then like if you're a progressive or leftist or socialist or whatever the fuck, then it's like you don't know how you want a better future. You want a better world. But it, it's like, how do you get there? And it's like so many conflicting things, you know, like the whole debate between like anarchism and like socialism mm-hmm. and Marxist Leninism versus, you know, all of this shit, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's way more diversity points on the left than there is on the fucking on the other side of it. Yeah, because uh, for the most part, none of this shit has happened yet, and it's all right. theoretical. It's in our minds. It's building our own utopias individually right. and hoping we can make like a collective vision out of it. Yeah, that shit's fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's why there's so much theory and all this interlocking shit associated with progressive or leftist arguments because you have to actually like put more thought into it i guess mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you can't like you know it's it's easier if, like i said they can just point to the past we mm-hmm. can't point to the future you know right yeah it, i mean it requires more of you to try to defend something that only exists in your mind at this point you have to Mm-hmm. You have to pull together more shit to support what you're arguing. It's way harder. Because it's not uh, like physically real. It hasn't manifested in a way that people can observe for the most part. Yeah. Joel continues, Don't be forced into someone else's game plan. Assert truth. <laughs> Substantiate truth. Defend truth. <laughs> truth. Yes. What is it? I'm imagining Joel in space marine armor defending truth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude. Like I said, yeah, he'd be one of the fucking grunts in Starship Troopers for sure. (laughs) He's doing his part. I'm doing my part, too. Force the other side to play defense and stop apologizing, qualifying, weakening, and negating your own positions. When you begin a post with, 
I'm not racist, but you've already lost your argument and your audience, and the best result you can hope, no matter what point you're making, is establishing or undermining that baseline. I guess, so is he suggesting you do the opposite? You say, I am racist and. (laughs) Yeah, for real. I mean, he's on that fucking, like, he's... He's real close to that. <laughs> he's he's really not like trying to hide it. He's like, well, he's basically said on like he's like, well, you know, since everything is considered racist now, then like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this is what this article is saying. Mm-hmm. Just fucking own it, man. It's fine. We know we've already identified you anyway. <laughs> it's like we know what's where your fucking loyalties lie. Uh, so he says you shouldn't start with I'm not a racist, but he also says ditto for. I'm not sexist slash homophobic slash a science denier slash judgmental slash partisan. <laughs> I mean, there's no chance you can get away with saying I'm not judgmental or partisan. No chance. Yeah. And there's not even really anything wrong with that. Like, you you know, you can be judgmental. You can have judgments. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to. I mean, you do. Like, you can reevaluate them. Like, this is the whole part of it that's, like, missing from this article is, like, He's just describing two completely ideologically rigid extremes that like cannot coexist. And it's like you you could like reevaluate things like you're the one who's mm-hmm. like insisting fucking rigidity of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His response to an increasingly impenetrable like leftist uh, collection of arguments as he sees them is just dig your heels in more. <laughs> You'll never find yeah. common ground with these freaks. Uh, And then his final sentence is, when truth is at issue, let truth fight for itself and don't allow consideration for your self-image to blunt its blade. (laughs) I thought we were supposed to defend truth. He's having a real bad one. Yeah, that is, yeah, this is just, obviously, he's, he's, he's mad that he's been identified as one of the bad guys and he's mad about it. Yeah. He's really mad about it, but he can't, you know, he's like, He's like, fine, I'll, I'll take the mantle of being the bad guy, but it's, it's a righteous path that I'm walking anyway. <laughs> he's accepted his, uh, the way society views him, and he's, you know, he's got the face paint on. He's laughing. He's the man who laughs. He went to one of the, uh, he went to the, there was a protest at one of the statues. Uh, I don't even know what <laughs> oh, fucking no. statue it was. He showed up. <laughs> and he actually, uh, I think he got interviewed. And like he's he's fucking he's smarmy as shit. It was so frustrating to speak with him because like he just he does for someone who says that he's not concerned about his self image. He's very fucking. He's got a whole like array of like Ben Shapiro esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a whole like story about oh like my father was poor. Like he's I guess he said his family was like oh my family were immigrants. Like he has all these like ready made anecdotes. Like he he went to the fucking Prager you school of of debate he said all this when he was there to defend a statue oh no i don't remember what he said it was nothing important i'm just saying it was very like very glossy like oh you know like he just presented himself in a very innocuous like oh i'm just here to defend my heritage type bullshit Mm -hmm. yeah he's a fucking worm speaking of heritage did you see uh the picture that i sent to the group chat last night uh oh the fucking truck that had the dixie stickers and also a black lives matter uh 
<laughs> they were parked in the driveway. They also had a Black Lives Matter fucking yard sign. Yeah, that that was really interesting. I was out on a walk up in like uh, so Twelfth Ave goes from like Coralville and it goes all the way up into North Liberty. So I was like kind of in the in between area, which is mostly like kind of like nicer duplexes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there there was um the area high schools have been distributing Black Lives Matter signs to the students. I don't know if the schools themselves or if like the students arrange for that themselves, but um yeah, I saw this house that had a Black Lives Matter sign from the local high school in the yard and then a pickup truck in the driveway that had two Confederate flag stickers on it. <laughs> it's like either somebody has a lot of cognitive dissonance or it's a that's a weird house to live in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I pulled up the comments on this Medium article, and I, I just want to point out one of them because I am either confused or alarmed by what it says. Uh, this comes from Ben Inglis. He says, very good, Joel. Thank you. I've recently felt convicted of the futility of endlessly defending what won't be heard. It's time for Christians to lay down the sword and pick up the shovel. Hmm. Have you ever encountered this turn of phrase before? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. What, to dig their own grave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like dig a fallout shelter. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, let's create a you know, competing society underground. Mm. The Christians must become the mole men. You know what's really cute is that Joel actually considers himself to be like, of the libertarian strain of conservative. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. It's really <laughs> funny. Oh my God, dude. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. This was just this morning. Um, I mean, rest in peace, John Lewis, who apparently passed away sometime last night. Right. Um, this morning, the Cato Institute tweeted, uh, John Lewis, libertarian hero. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, they'll, they'll claim the civil rights act when it's convenient. Like, <sighs> yeah, I mean, despite the the American libertarian movement is like largely founded on opposition to the Civil Rights Act. Yeah, for real. Barry Goldwater, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that motherfucker did not. He was not having it. <laughs> That's what just pisses me off so much about this is like uh, Joel, like he's n- acting like he's not concerned about his self image. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. Like, it just. He won't, he'll, he'll fucking dog whistle all day. And it's like I said, like, it's not, it's not even dog whistling. It's it's very apparent, but he'll never like make the leap into like the straight up white nationalist shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if he really wasn't concerned with his self image, you know, he might know where you stand. It's (laughs) like, you've made it very fucking clear. He might just turn the wheel, you know. A few more degrees to the right if he really wasn't concerned with his self-image he sucks so like people don't even like like i said his twitter fault like he doesn't have any sort of like following like even conservatives are just like like there's no hook for like this is just whiny bullshit <laughs> like there's no <laughs> there's no hook for anyone to even like unless you're like a personal friend of him can't imagine really <laughs> yeah i this is he just uh, he just writes for his parents i don't know but that's it. I mean, we finished the the Joel Curtinitis medium piece. It's been like a month and a half since he last wrote, so maybe he's winding down. Maybe his writing career is like coming to an end. Yeah, he hasn't he doesn't do much. 
lately, other than have breakdowns on <laughs> the internet. <laughs> and that's oh, a, man. I mean, that's quite a fall from conservative grace. He it was the Federalist that he was in, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. he wrote for the Federalist at least like one or two articles. Yeah, you think that'd be pretty good, like resume boost. Right, yeah, you'd think you could build some sort of following based on that. Which, I mean, like, I don't know, like I said, he does have his Facebook boomer group. Yeah, (sighs) he's got, I'm sure he's got more people reading him than we have listening to us. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe if I, like, really push this one and, like, say, hey, we discussed all Joel Curtinitis on today's episode, maybe (laughs) we'll get some crossover We'll pull some of his flock into our own. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. I don't know. Like, I just, uh, I don't know what what to do about these sort of people because it's like, I don't know. Like, you, you know, the leftist thing is like universal programs for everyone. Like, mm-hmm. we don't like. They, he he's just like we've obviously been very harsh on him on this episode, <laughs> but it's like we just want people to have a better life. And it doesn't mean that you have a worse life because some other people have a fucking better life. It's yeah. like, we're not attacked. Like you're not being attacked. Like the people who are like upset about systemic racism aren't like attacking you personally. It's just that when you wade into these arguments and like make an example of yourself as being someone who is like extremely opposed to the idea of even like systemic racism existing. Mm-hmm people are going to get upset with you. Like, Yeah, I mean, it's not about you until you make it about you. Right. You know, proudly opposing um, people who say racism is a real problem. Right. We're not asking you to pay reparations out of your own bank. (laughs) Like, like you're not under any sort of fucking threat. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to dig back into the article, but (laughs) his, uh, his first example of a statement about George Floyd that he says is like, true and defensible is George Floyd's death was immoral and criminal and his killers should face justice. And if I were, you know, trapped on an elevator with Joel or something and like had to discuss this with him, I'd really want to get into the, like what makes what happened immoral? What makes it criminal? Why did these people kill him? Why did the people show up even? Like why were the cops part of this? Like, wh- what in your mind led to what happened? Because it's it makes a lot more sense to me to believe that people uh, who aren't black a lot of times have implicit, like, distrust and dislike of black people, you know? And, like, m- maybe it's not, like, explicit in their minds, but it's just, like, you know, they're more willing to believe that a black guy is a criminal and that his life means less than mine and I should call the police on him. And then, you know, there's a whole problem with the police who to a much greater degree, like disregard the lives of black people. I I don't know. This all just like pieces together for me really easily. Like it all makes logical sense and I see evidence for it pretty much all the time. Mm -hmm. So if you're denying all that, like what made this immoral and criminal what would justice be for the people who killed him? Why did this happen if you don't believe that there's widespread racism in American society? Yeah, I mean, well, we know the answer is because <laughs> it would be, it would hurt his feelings <laughs> and to admit it, 
you know, like maybe I've been complicit in this, hmm. you know, which we all should feel, you know, that's kind of the thing is like, it's hard not to feel bad about it living in this country. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, we all beat ourselves. Like I beat myself up about not doing, you know, enough. Like I wish, like, I don't know. I have my reasons for not protesting because of the COVID thing and living with my mom and stuff. But it's mm-hmm. like, I feel, I feel guilty about it. It's like, that's the whole thing is like, these people just do not want to feel they want to have no social responsibility and they don't want to feel any sort of guilt for any of the, you know, society that they approve of a hundred percent because it benefits them. They don't want to be told that there is a dark side to it. And that, yeah, you know, they, they just don't want to have any sort of responsibility for it. Yeah. They want to benefit from it, but not have any t- shoulder, any of the responsibility of it. Yeah. I believe you said head in the sand at some point earlier in this episode. Yeah. That's what the shovel's for. Probably. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That seems, I don't know. That would be too self-aware, I think, if that's what he meant. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can understand wanting to deny all of this stuff, but it just seems impossible. It would be so much easier. Yeah. (laughs) It would be so much easier. I know, like, Chuck says this a lot. (laughs) And I understand, but also, like, I don't, I just, I can't delude myself like that. You know, like, I'm willing to accept that, you know, I benefit from a fucking white supremacist society. And like, mm-hmm. I want to fucking change it desperately. It's like, it's fucking maddening, you yeah. know, and just so just complete. It's not even, I mean, obviously the systemic racism, a huge aspect, but just the way that people as a whole are treated in this country and just the COVID response and just the way that, you know, everything is geared towards profit instead of like actually helping people live fulfilling lives. It's, it's just like, it's overwhelming. Yeah, and it would be nice if I could just pretend none of that was real. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's really what they're upset about is just their bubble being pierced. Yeah, stop trying to make me understand reality <laughs> that surrounds me. Yeah, I like I don't know. We spend so much time like trying to fucking psychoanalyze these people, and then like like you said in his article, it's like he he just does not understand or ref- I mean it's willing he's willingly refusing to understand where any of the people who are opponents of his politically like stand like he doesn't Mm -hmm. understand the arguments because if he did then it would you know like this whole article says it would cause his whole worldview to unravel yeah yeah it's self-preservation which is yeah the whole conservative thing really anyway yeah which brings to mind for me another example of conservative or in a more extreme examples fascist uh, projection where they accuse anyone who's trying to like deplatform like a racist or whatever of well you just can't handle hearing opposing views because then you might have to question your own (laughs) right it's like yep that's (laughs) you're doing that all the time yep i don't know people just can't accept their own hypocrisy ever yeah it's a vicious cycle well honestly i don't think that was our worst episode ever i think we (laughs) (laughs) surprisingly like i think we got some we wrung some good shit out of that yeah piece of maybe. shit <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> i think we had a, a decent chat uh so you know people who are listening to our show i would like to say thank you to them it's uh it's nice to get positive attention for the uh conversations we record ourselves having it's, yeah, it's really all about vanity on our end, I think. 
No, it's just a fun thing to do and way to vent some steam, you know? Yeah. I I will say I feel a lot better now than I did when we started this, so. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) In that regard, it was definitely not our worst episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, I don't think I've ever asked our listeners to do this, but if you enjoy our show, it may be nice for us at some point to have like positive reviews on the podcast platforms. So if that's something that you would be willing to do, maybe like if you listen to the show on iTunes or whatever, is it Apple podcasts now? I don't think they are allowed to say iTunes anymore. Is that Uh, right? I don't know. I have an iPhone. It's just called podcasts to me. (laughs) I don't know. RIP iTunes dead forever. Never to (laughs) be referred to again. But yeah, yeah, if you listen to our show on one of the podcast platforms that gets a lot of, use it might be good for us if we want to ever like grow this into something bigger it might be good for us to have some reviews on those platforms so feel free to do that if you'd be willing to yep and uh again uh donate to bail funds where you can mutual aid funds all that shit and after that if you still got anything left in your wallet uh we do have a patreon that has a lot of additional audio content that you may enjoy patreon.com slash rock hard caucus got several hours of book review on there probably more book review coming um most recently uh tony lacurdo and i reviewed issue number one of sonic the hedgehog haven't got around to that one yet <laughs> but i enjoyed the snippet the <laughs> preview i listened to that and cool cho- uh well tony is uh it's a funny man yeah, it's yeah, it's really fun to talk to him. And hopefully we can like do more of those and have guests on and like maybe like make it more tie it more into the Rock Hard Caucus kind of <laughs> political analysis. I was the, like, I mean, yeah. uh, there's not really much of a <laughs> link between the You the may Sonic be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, I'm sure when you is. listen to the episode. I mean, we it is kind of tongue in cheek, but we do manage to get a little bit of like mm-hmm. serious uh <laughs> psychological analysis analysis in there on some (laughs) of the characters it doesn't get into like the realm of like real politics yet but we may find connections that other people probably haven't discussed before that's what we're going for really uh yeah and i also i just finished setting up uh, a little kind of landing page for us back in i think february i bought the domain rockhardcock.us and it, for a long time, it was just forwarding to our SoundCloud. But I set up a little kind of homepage for us. So if you want to check that out, rockhardcock.us. Um, and it's spelled the same as the show is spelled. It's not like the more, <laughs> you know, the way I, it sounds when I say it, it sounds more vulgar than it is. But it's it's just the name of our show, but you put a dot before the last two letters. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. I I like the uh, continuation of stupid names for lefty podcasts. (laughs) I mean, I don't have a problem with it. It's it's funny. (laughs) No, I honestly, I will never change it unless I'm forced to. (laughs) I think think it's good. (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude. My favorite type of humor is puns. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, when it's a pun about phallic imagery, I think it's. Oh, yeah. It's a. Sure. And politics. Another level. Yeah. There's a lot going on. It's, with yeah, it's very deep. Yeah, it's very intricate. There's, yeah, it's like <laughs> there's some a lot deeper than it seems. Some real brilliance. I think I was inspired by a muse when I came up with that one. Yeah, I mean, it really did feel like that, to be honest. <laughs> like just a, <laughs> it all it all came together pretty yeah, quickly. Sudden spark of in, uh, spark of 
imagination. What was the word I was going to say there? It doesn't matter. Inspiration. Yeah, I was going to say inspiration. Damn. <laughs> uh, I'm getting worse at talking. All right, let's uh, let's stop recording. Does that okay. sound good? All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Peace out. Hey, that was fun. See you later. See ya. I'm